Welcome to episode 267 of the Overlook Hour. My name is Clark Little, and we've got Randy. <laughs> yep, that's wow. me. How's it going? <laughs> God. That was maybe the best intro. <laughs> oh, Russell's here in Oksana. What up? Hi. What are y'all giggling at? <laughs> Everything is fine. Nothing happened today. It's just a normal, regular day. Right? Are you going to talk? What's up? How I don't you? know. Was that a rhetorical question or did you want me to? Yeah, that's fair. <sighs> I don't know. I just think, you know, I'm going through a hard time today. So I need my community of friends to lift me up. All right. You should stop smoking American Spirit Yellow. Is All right. I think the biggest problem is not, not that I have started smoking. It's that I'm smoking American Spirit. So <laughs> it's not only lame and expensive, but it's the last thing you need. And the only thing you're okay. not worried about. Okay. For the record, <laughs> while we are having this conversation, I have smoked eight cigarettes in my life. Yeah. So we're fine. <laughs> We're okay. okay. And a couple of those cigarettes I have gutted out and then filled with both tobacco and marijuana. I believe the children call them spliffs. Yeah, Randy, he smoked a cigarette outside of where we record. So all the smoke came in through the window. <laughs> then he came in and lit a candle. It smells like cigars. Okay. So <laughs> it smells like grandpa's room in here right now. I don't I don't I don't appreciate lies in my life, so I need to <laughs> I need to correct some of these mistruths that are going around. Number one, the candle is. Show this to Randy. It's absent. I, I don't have the camera on. It's absent than black fig, Randy. Okay, sounds like it, it smells like. No, it smells good. It smells like when they used to have like cigar shops in a mall, and you'd go in there and be like, it "Oh, do, it does have an earthy smell." Yeah, kind of like a wood grain texture. Also, <laughs> my person does not smell like cigarettes because no, I, that's Axe body spray. I doused myself in osium. <laughs> Vanilla nice. flavor. <laughs> what they make flavors of osium? Correct. Because have you ever had regular osium? Oh, that's how you sealed up your spliff. You spray some osium on there. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> that that'd be gnarly. It helped that buzz, I'm Ugh. sure. You think I'm coughing now? <laughs> Wait till I get that osium osium laced cigarette. All right. Well, are we going to talk about what stressed you out at all? Or are you going to? Well, I don't know. Legally, I don't know what I can say. But here's what I can say. We had to cancel training. So now I'm here for the week. But I had to cancel three flights today. <laughs> because, of course, it was the one week where I was not going back home. I was going to another city from Phoenix. And I had to cancel that trip for now. So I got to figure that out. Also, if you want to have a, 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 a fun little day on the Internet, Go to American or Southwest and try to find a direct flight between San Francisco and Salt Lake City. It doesn't exist. <laughs> and the layovers, Randy, the layovers are anywhere from 12 hours to 20 hours. That's it's insane. an hour and a half flight. <laughs> no one here goes to Utah. You got to get your own plane. Go Blackwell Ghost style. Dude, I could get I could get in contact with that guy and get on his little pack of gum <laughs> before I get figured out between Southwest and America. Yeah, Turner Clay wouldn't be fucking around. And TC's tight. TC <laughs> Tugger. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's what he calls himself when he, when he masturbates. Randy, you do anything this week? We want to, you got anything fun to chat about? 
Nothing exciting, no. Just packing up everything that I plan on taking to Atlanta. And then, uh, yeah, just, just hanging out. When are you leaving, fool? Uh, 31st. Okay. Yeah, I'm just shipping a bunch of boxes there. And hopefully not spending too much money on it. Good luck. It's called flat rate boxes. Oh, okay. And oh, FRB. I know about that. <laughs> right? It's just like a size that is whatever you can fit in it, it will go at that price. Yeah, USPS has like a large box that I think you could ship like up to 60 pounds for like 20 bucks or something. So, so you, oh, they could wow. ship you. <laughs> yeah. Cut me in half and then we'll be good. Damn, you're 120 now? Cut my no, life. No, I'm like 140, <laughs> but I didn't want to do like, you know, the exact math. All right. Now, Randy, you are what I would describe as a minimalist. So, like, how much do you, stuff do you have? That's the thing. I don't really have a lot besides um, books, records, and DVDs and Blu-rays. Other than that, I don't really own any furniture. I have a bed. Um, what are you doing is, with your bed? Are you shipping your bed or are you getting a new bed? I'm just donating it. And, you and then get getting a new, a new bed, bed over there? Yeah. Are you bed shopping? Not yet, just because, like, I don't want to get a bed, like, shipped there before <laughs> I'm even there. So I'm literally just going to figure everything out when I get there. You got to get a couch, dude. I'm just winging it, baby. Are you going to get a couch? Yeah, I'll probably have a couch and, like, an air mattress. And then, you know, slowly gather things over the first, like, week. Because um, I have, like, a week off of work to, like, move in. And then over time, I'll slowly maybe put things in my apartment. All right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I trust this. I don't know if he's going to get furniture. I think if we were to go into his place like six months from now, it looked like he, his a place would look like a bookie on the run. <laughs> He'd have like a folding up lawn chair just sitting there. I'll have a porch, so that'll be cool. I might have a lawn chair there. Here? What floor are you on? The first floor. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, baby. Blame. I don't know. I like it because um, it's less anxiety for moving in and or out. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I'll have I a, know. I have a large blue velvet poster, which will go up somewhere in the apartment. So oh, that's, that's something. Then you need a large blue velvet couch to go along with. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think uh shouts out to the Roxy. I think I got that from their free poster bin once. Oh, really? Wait, is it large then? Or is it like a standard poster size? Um, I feel like it's a little bigger than standard, but I don't know. Maybe it's just All a right. standard. I haven't unspooled it for Randy a while. Is a size queen for posters. It is 27 by 36 is the typical sizing for a oh, here American poster. That's probably what? it. The UK posters, they're all crazy. They have weird sizing over there, like A2. Do you miss, do you miss not being in the framing game anymore? Um, no, not at all. No? No, <laughs> not even a little. I, uh, I do miss grabbing frames out of there or like knowing a framer who will like you know put my shit in something that got canceled for free you could i mean like the one behind us that with the matting and stuff you could still do that right uh matting's a little bit difficult is it like riding a bike we'd have to yeah i mean it's just uh like simple measuring I, actually i can't really read a ruler very well like measuring tape i also every yeah. time i took a custom order there i was like god i hope i read that right like once you get into like fractions of an inch, mm, yeah, I was kind of holding my breath every time. Yeah, I don't. I wasn't the best. <laughs> yeah, given given the size of my penis, I've never been a fan of inches <laughs> <laughs> and measuring things. Just round up. 
All right. Yeah, I'll round up to four inches, baby. <laughs> now, now uh, like you mentioned, you had to cancel three flights today. So mm-hmm. we ended up bumping back our recording time by two and a half hours. And, you know, which is not uncommon. No, not uncommon. But much like cargo pants, when you're given all these extra pockets, you tend to fill them up. So when I, had I two, never did that with cargo pants. Really? Have you ever seen Tommy Wiseau or Dude. or Arborian uh, street beefs? That was a thing. I feel. <laughs> now, did everyone here participate in the cargo uh, short movement of the early 2000s? I did. I did as well. Randy? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you couldn't exist in high school without some at least one pair of cargo Wait, shorts. Wait, Oksana, did you get cargo? Were you cargo? No, it's gross. a little different with females. Gross. I'm sure she had hot topic pants that had zippers that didn't oh, actually you, contain a pocket. You were straight Jinko, right? Uh, I did. I think I had one or two pairs of those stupid pipe jeans or whatever. They're gigantic pipe jeans. Yeah, Lee pipes. Pipe pocket. <laughs> what are pipe jeans? Throw this up on the thing. I want to see pipe jeans. He can't. She can't throw it up there. The new the monitor now is just for Randy's face, so we don't feel so lonely. I know what Randy's face looks like. <laughs> they're just like they're obnoxious. <laughs> they're like, you know, like the homie dolls. Omg, okay. kind of like that. By the way, yeah, I can say this. Okay. <laughs> Someone at work, oh, like man. whenever we do, like um. And by work, you mean the CIA training? You yes, doing. correct. Okay, I, I work in Langley, Virginia. <laughs> um, I'll probably go get an anonymous phone call just from saying that this week. Uh, someone at work, like you can have digital backgrounds on Zoom. Okay, and this particular person always has a digital background of like the homie dolls. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad. But they're like little cholas. That's tight. <laughs> and, and we're having meetings with our CEO. And I'm, what are we doing? I don't know. It's cool. You need somebody like that in the work uh, environment. I, I was asked to uh, actually use a digital background for zoom because i'm in training most of the time and the way i have my computer set up and the projector Mm -hmm. is that people can actually see themselves when they're at when i'm in frame yeah and people don't like that so i put the digital background and i put the digital background of the room in the um sort of dream sequence at the end of 2001 a space odyssey oh okay so you know very you know very futuristic swanky cool looking room but then what i did notice is that people's heads will still show up so it's like a floating head in the middle of that room and it's even cooler should do room 237 get that bunny on its knees that'd be a good background ran wine oh my god (laughs) also okay anybody else want to talk about anything before we segue i have a good way to do it um i may have groceries coming that's fine you just get up and leave oh what the hell your sprouts farmer's market order is now expected to arrive by 645 Everything is falling apart. Oh no, that's good. Now you don't have to leave during the. Yeah, but I'm hungry. Baby's hungry. Also, uh, before we get into uh, (laughs) the segment (laughs) planned for this week, I have to, uh, I have to give a little. uh, I have to make mention of uh, man. I don't know how to set this up on Discord. This is all very new territory for me. I listened to an interview with Thomas Burke on Discord. Uh huh. And in it, he was asked the question. First off, uh, there is this very passionate um, found footage fan who brought him on. And I don't remember his name. I I don't know. We could plug it somewhere else. And um, 
he asked Thomas Burke if camping ground was made before or after camping the, fun. Camping fun was made before or after the Blair Witch Project. And I'm like, oh, okay. This guy's a little green, but like, you know, he cares. He also asked him what his favorite movie was. Do you know what Thomas Burke answered? What to- what Thomas's favorite was movie? To- okay. Yeah. The 1994 Disney release, Heavyweights. All right. Uh, Randy, you got one? The Blair Witch Project. That's a fair one. Uh, Oksana, why don't you go ahead and tell them what it was? Talking to the mic. I don't remember. Oh, my God. Okay. Fail. It was uh, Donnie Darko. Oh, <laughs> right. Tommy. Tommy, no. <laughs> and I, was, I, I had it pulled up in the car while we were driving to D&D. So, I'm, you know, I'm not much better here. But um, I was like, oh, no. So, he Thomas. a good reason, though. No, you know, Thomas, we love you. He loves and that's why, that's why you're not uh, immune to this kind of ribbing. <laughs> Uh, next time you're on here for episode 20 of the TBR or whatever, uh, remind me to roast you on that because come on. Because, <laughs> Tom, here's my issue. Everyone knows that S. Darko is way better. <laughs> you know, honestly, it might be an age thing. He might just be younger and like didn't grow up with it. But man, the fanfare for that fucking film growing up just makes me like allergic to well, it. Also, now. you look at the rest of, of his yeah. career and it's all like. Uh, they're trying to do it again. Although, dude, people, there are there is a small community, but they are a very proud community that hail that Southland Tales is genius. Oh yeah, yeah. I never watched it. Cool. Yeah, Randy, did you make it through Southland Tales? I've never tried, but really, yeah, I feel like we should do it. I feel like that that definitely seemed like a weird movie Randy would watch. I'm kind of shocked he didn't see it. Well, there's a musical montage of Justin Timberlake dancing to a killer song. Well, fuck. I mean, I remember it on Netflix back when that was like the only streaming option. That was like one of the first big The Rock movies. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. With Sean Williams, uh, maybe we'll and watch Sarah it. Michelle Gellar. We'll get Thomas on here and talk I, about it. I haven't seen it in well over a decade. All right. Did you want to complain about uh, the CIA or anything else anymore? No. Can, All right. Can we bring in our boy? Yeah. Uh, not yet. That's okay. after the segment. Also, when are you going to get in the segment thing with me again? You started off strong. You had this NPR thing going. Let me explain something to you. <laughs> when you set expectations with me. Oh, no. Then I just, I'm not going to meet them. Mm-hmm. Let, here's how I try to explain it. If people think that you are lazy and stupid, then they expect a whole lot less out of you. I get so it. So I stay in that lane, baby. Um, Kenny versus Spenny. Kenny won the military training competition by acting like a complete disrespectful idiot. And then the last day pulled it all together. And he, he would give these confessionals about it and be like, see, now the dude's going to think he changed me. And of course he won because yeah. he's a genius. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know what time it is. The TBR report. Oh, fuck. By the way, you always do DL before the TB- TBR. No, it's after. Mm-hmm. It's after. Mm-hmm. Boy. Mm-mm. I promise you. Randy, who who listens to the show in this room? I do. I promise you. Who who listens to it? I do. Wait, let's make a bet. You don't. Let's make a bet. You, it, it, Dude, you do daily bet, list bet before me, TBR. Bet me an Ethereum. <laughs> I will bet you I will bet you 100 US dollars. All right, all right. Anybody? Do we have a judge in this room? I feel like DL was also before, but I'm not 100% certain. Look at y'all. It y'all don't pay attention. definitely was before, dude. 
It's not. You are okay. Okay, we'll listen after. We'll go wrong. back. We'll review the tape. I'll pull it up right anyway, now. You know. <laughs> all right, let's restart this again. <laughs> the David Lynch report. <laughs> all right. Oh man, this one's a doozy. Now I'm just gonna again. The TBR report is where our our favorite filmmaker Thomas Burke, uh, found footage adventurer, recommends found footage films to me so that me, a programmer at a f- only found footage film fest, uh, will stay on watching the uh, genre that I love or at least claim to. And uh, he wrote an email this week. Ooh, again, I got to take a breath. This is a big one. We're we're dealing with a lot here. The email from Thomas. <laughs> This week, I'd like to recommend 2004 Sci-Fi Channel faux documentary. Now, let that sink in. 2004? 2004 Sci-Fi Channel faux documentary called The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, boy. Sold as a real documentary upon the initial release, The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan follows a filmmaker and his crew making a documentary about an award-winning director, M. Night Shyamalan. But soon into their journey, they begin to suspect that their subject may be hiding a dark and sinister secret. Now, Thomas wrote more. I redacted that whole paragraph. And Thomas, I, uh, I do it out of love. Because I didn't expect it, but I... Uh, I've fallen in love with this film and he had a couple spoilers. And also I was given the gift of two and a half hours of time. So I got some clips to kind of paint the picture of what this show is. Oh God. I know. <laughs> now, if the, I swear to God, if this is a repeat of your, no, Tiger no, no, King no. Expose, this will just, this will be contained to uh, the TBR report. Now uh, I'm going to go ahead and finish out the email as um, Thomas wrote it with the redacted part removed. So he continues, I think this is a really cool movie, and I definitely recommend it to fans of Shyamalan and other uh, mystery thriller fans, Um, especially if you like the movie Signs, as this has a nice little metafiction parallel going on. Anyway, uh, I hope you all like it. It's on YouTube for free, so check it out and let me know what you think. Um, Now, when I was thinking about how to set this up, a faux documentary done by sci-fi about Shyamalan. The first thing I did was I'm like, well, how how was it received before I even like looked into it? Well, first of all, what's it called? The Buried Secret? The Buried Secret of, of M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. That sounds like that M. Night Shyamalan is a ship <laughs> and it's sunken. <laughs> now, I found a news report from the L.A. Times covering uh, the uh, what I soon discovered was a debacle. Now, this is from the L.A. Times. With his new film, The Village, coming out, filmmaker M. Night Shyamalan and the Sci-Fi Channel have hoped to create the type of uncontroversial marketing stunt that made The Blair Witch Project a phenomenon five years ago. Instead, the cable network has been forced to admit the unauthorized documentary, in quotes. It aired Sunday night on Shyamalan's buried secret, in quotes, was part of an elaborate hoax gone awry. The deception was part of a guerrilla marketing campaign, in quotes, that went too far. Network president Bonnie Hammer told the Associated Press on Friday. Sci-Fi claimed last month that Shyamalan had stopped participating with a sci-fi documentary and his went about his life when the questions got too personal. Documentarians Nathaniel Kahn and Callum Green passed on and made a three-hour film, The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan, without his cooperation, the network said. The Associated Press wrote about the documentary last month, 
prompting other media to run accounts that also stressed the supposed conflict. In a news release last month, Sci-Fi said Shyamalan had attempted to shut down the production of this disturbing expose, in quotes. It was all a lie, and there is no buried secret, Hammer said Friday. She cannot be reached for any further comments Sunday. The tactic is reminiscent of the bogus websites manufactured mythology that preceded the 1999 release of the ultra-low-budget horror film The Blair Witch Project. The filmmakers went on to gross close to $250 million. This would help if I could read. They went on to gross $250 million worldwide. And since then, the other filmmakers and marketers have attempted to use these and other forms of, in quotes again, viral marketing. But the buried secret of M. Night Shyamalan campaign went further, issuing blatantly false press releases and encouraging journalists to unwillingly write inaccurate articles about the purported documentary. Now, I love that because um, that book I often refer to as my Bible, Found Footage Horror Films, Fear and the Appearance of Reality by Alexandra Heller Nicholas. Nailed it that time. First time ever on the show. She has an article on the prehistory of found footage. And uh, she brings up War of the Worlds. And she talks about how, like, popular culture believes that uh, this, you know, radio show that kind of um, went against the grain and was being really irresponsible by only issuing one warning and then moving on into what was clearly a uh, faux newscast that said we were being invaded, right? Caused chaos all over the world. Well, she she did the history and uh, a lot of research and She's like, that didn't happen. There was like one real report of a girl like running out to her car and she had like some incident, but like nobody reacted that way. What had happened is that media got pissed that somebody took their format and made like a mockery out of the news broadcast. So as a punishment to any artist who was thinking of doing this again, they made it like the end of the world. Like you, you really fuck shit up and you should never mock the news. So when, when I read this article and everybody's like, oh, they put out a press release that was clearly wrong. Like the information was false. It, it's dude. It's just like that other documentary we talked about where that dude did the art exhibit and claimed to find treasure underwater. Yeah. And then everybody gets mad when they find out it's fake. Yeah. I don't know what this is. And so, you know, was Shyamalan I, behind this? So that's one of the things, right? You're like, well, it, an unoccupied or undone. Unauthorized. Unauthorized, which, you know, I, uh, I myself, yeah, I'm like, I own right there, tool, unauthorized, corn, unauthorized. Remember all those stupid fucking documentaries that came out? Um, You were a tool guy? Well, here's the thing. Yeah. You are a tool. Yeah, I am a tool. I had the wiener shirt. Randy, are you a tool guy? Were you a tool guy? Never was. No, look at him. He's not a tool guy. Um, I don't know. Maynard's chill. So the thing with all those unauthorized uh, videos is that the band is never a part of them. Uh, That's why they're called unauthorized. Sure. So here you're like, oh, okay, Shyamalan wasn't part of it. Then I get into the film, and uh, dude, this shit is bonkers. So uh, here, I got some clips for you. I'm going to tell an audio tale, and I promise not to take too long with it. But uh, here, here's here's how the movie opens. Cold like this. Yeah, uh, this is room 1506. Where, where is my stuff? Who, who checked us out? This is Nathaniel Khan. We have not checked out. So it's very Blair Witch. We have three people in a hotel room that looks brand new. And uh, you're just like, what's going on? And it's a dude like, hey, 
where where's all my shit it goes much longer he's like my computer's gone all of my documents are gone and then we we just move into what is a very well-paced faux documentary i mean at like so i pulled a bunch of clips to kind of show how ridiculous it is that the media reacted the way they do and uh here i took way too many notes on this and i'm already going off script so from here, we move on to the beginning of the documentary, which shows these guys driving up to this location of the village. And uh, he talks to a security guard who instantly is doing like a sci-fi, like you're entering Area 51. And he's like, oh, I have clearance. And he's like, here, I have the paper from the network. And he's just like, this isn't good enough. And he's giving him a hard time. So then some lady drives up on a golf course. And the security guard is played by M. Night Shyamalan. No, no, no. It's some dumpy looking white dude. And uh, this girl drives up on a go-kart and she's just like, or a golf cart. That go-kart would be a little bit different. That would be would, way yeah, better. Yeah, so she drives up on a golf cart and she's just like, okay, I can get you in. But there's a bunch of rules you need to know. She's like, don't look M. Night in the eyes. Don't approach him unless I tell you it's okay. He'll signal to me when you can ask him the questions that we've talked about. And they're doing this very heavy-handed. All right, so let's think about All right, so this came out in 2004, right? Because yep. That's right around, yeah, so the we're looking at, at this juncture, we've gotten the Sixth Sense, right, which yep. went bananas. I think we had uh, Unbreakable. And Unbreakable we followed had, that. We had Signs. And then Signs, and now we've got The Village. Yep. So at this time, he is hot shit. Oh, yeah. Because all three of those destroyed, right? Yeah, no, they crushed. And, um, I, you know, they keep talking about in the documentary how he's kind of a secretive filmmaker. Like, I, and I mean, at the time, what he's not doing e access Hollywood um, or some do you, shit. Do you know he had a story arc in Entourage? Oh, I, I think I did. I think season three ish. Yeah, I watched a, a little bit of Entourage. Yeah, I, I didn't finish it. I know I got up to the Aquaman movie, so I think I went through that. The whole plot point was about um, his script and how he redacts everything, and you only see your lines. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't even think that's uncommon anymore with yeah. filmmaking. Well, um, we move through and we get like on the location, like he's in that little like hut area and um, he's talking to people about Shyamalan and he'll talk to like a producer and he'll be like, oh, tell me what's like working, working for him. And you can tell like they're like, oh, I, I don't know uh, if I should be talking about this. I really you should talk to him or. You know, I don't like everybody's trying to act super like don't talk about him. Then Shyamalan from the other side of the village pops out of the woods and we zoom in on him. And then we start getting audio glitches on the camera. And like, oh, I don't know what's happening. And there's like little subtitles that say like audio malfunction. And it's like, dude, at, even at this point, we're already like we're having fun in this movie. And uh, I don't know if it's because this film came out pre YouTube or pre like the real understanding of what you know, like the ARG element of found footage horror. But I mean, watching it now, you can tell like, dude, this, this is just a fun project. Um, then we go into town. They, they kind of get like shoot off set and they're like, Hey, we're working. He doesn't want to talk today. So they drive around. They actually have like what feel like real um, interviews with people at TAL TLA video in Philadelphia is all Philadelphia. And uh, we go to a comic book store and they're interviewing people there. And it's very, it actually really helps a uh, verisimilitude. And Clark left the room to go get groceries. Otherwise, he would have given me shit for that. But we get to his house. And out front, there's a bunch of people. And they're just waiting by the gate. 
which I'm sure if you're a celebrity, you're you're probably used to this kind of shit. As I've seen real videos of people throwing packages over and stuff. Yet at this gate, it's all what appears to be like 15 year olds with hoodies on. And it's almost like this weird 90s cult. And uh, and I had to pull part of the interview because this is the vibe we get out of this movie. Let me turn this shit up. Here we go. Actually, I should set that up more. So he walks up and he's he asks the kids, like, well, what are you doing here? What are you expecting to get? Do you want, like, photographs or are you trying to get an autograph? And this is how they answer. I mean, you don't you don't know about him, Knight? Don't do it. I don't know what about him. He's a filmmaker, Hollywood A-list. Everyone knows. Everyone knows what? Well, uh, M. Knight's connected to the other side. He's connected to the other side? Oh, yeah. Is that what you guys think? Well, we know. You know? How do you know that? I can prove it if you want. Dude, just listen to that music. We are so clearly like, I, I mean, one of, you know, one of the things people would always harp on found footage about is that the BGM and just like being too handholdy. And I mean, in faux documentary, of course, there's going to be a background uh, track, but that's so clearly trying to amp up fear. And um, so the filmmakers are like, okay, let's do it. And cut to, we're, we're in what appears to be, I can only imagine is this kid's parents' house. And we're downstairs in like a den or a wreck. Like just kind of like boxes everywhere. And it's clearly someplace where he hangs out. And he's like, okay, you ready? He pulls out a fucking Ouija board, dude. <laughs> he pulls out a Ouija board, walks over, puts it down on a table. And he's like, all right, come here. And they both get on their knees and he, he pulls out like, and this is one of those, like, you know, they used to sell it at Toys R Us Ouija boards. Yeah. We have a plastic planchette and his fingers are hovering. He's like, now don't touch it. You need to get down here, hover over the planchette. And then they start asking questions. They ask if there's a spirit there, if anybody knows Shyamalan. And there's a little bit there. I'm not going to ruin that for everybody, but now cut. Um, the filmmakers aren't allowed back on set yet. So at this point, our, uh, the documentary, the dude running it, Khan, uh, he starts looking into uh, different avenues and he gets online. This little kid brings him to a website where all the true M. Night Shyamalan fans go and they enter this like early 2000 chat room and everybody's got names like uh, The Secret in the Night 3 and Khan makes a name and it's it's Con Man 1. And he's like, where did this number come from? <laughs> and the kid's like, well, the number, that's the level. You get levels based on how much you know. So then this dude, Raven5, starts talking to him. And he's like, hey, con man, whoa, what city are you in right now? And he's like, oh, I'm in L.A. And the guy's like, no, you're not. You're in Philadelphia. And he's just like, oh, sh how did he know? And the guy's like, hey, man, he's a level five. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know this guy. And he's then Raven's like, you're wearing a black shirt. And he's like, well, how, how did he know this? And then he's dude. So then from there, uh, we, we do a cut and a pizza guy shows up. <laughs> now, uh, I'm, I'm glad you returned now, Clark, because the pizza guy, 
is somebody I think you're going to like. So pizza guy enters uh, with some pizza, and here we go. You guys are filming? Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're making a documentary. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, 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 we've been shooting is all day. Is that the new um, G4? Macintosh or it's not the new one. It's I've had it for a couple of years. Oh, okay. You know about these stuff? Yeah, I like computers. I I uh, do tech support for the businesses around on the site. So he's a pizza guy who does tech support for local businesses on the side. It sounds like he said for penises on the well, side. Well, he's got like the you you got a Macintosh over there. Play, play the play the play that clip again. Can there you play? Go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't I can't cut it up, but yeah. I can run it through again. There we go. You guys are filming? Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're making a documentary. We've been shooting Is that the new um, G4? Macintosh? Or it's not the new one. It's, I've had it for a couple of years. Oh, okay. Uh, you know about these stuff? Yeah, I, I like computers. I I uh, do tech support for the businesses around on the site. For the penises on the site. For the business. I know. I didn't understand them at first either. But so now they just got out of that chat room. And the dude's like, he's convinced that there's some like technology magic trick happening so he invites the pizza guy over to interact with the chat room and he's like dude help me figure this out and uh he, he tells them you know dude they knew what city i'm in but here here we go i got a clip ask ask him ask him if he knows what you're wearing if he knows what i'm wearing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay i feel real weird doing this <laughs> <laughs> now it's continued here See, thinks I'm some type of porn pervert kind of dude. Look, he told me to get lost. Hey, listen, this, this, this is my number for, you know, if you have any computer problems or anything. So what happened there is the dude responds with, "That's this isn't that kind of type of chat room, dude. And he's like, oh, look, this is a porn thing. But then he instantly gives him a business card and he says, hey, man, if you have any trouble with your computer, feel free to hit me up. <laughs> Now, from this point, we start getting less access to Shyamalan. There is an interview that happens in um, Philadelphia Woods, very Blair Witch looking. And there's this beautiful privileged moment where they're talking to Shyamalan in these woods, clearly trying to do a Blair Witch thing. And a fucking giant blackbird flies up and lands on a branch behind him. The cameraman, who thankfully had the wherewithal, pans out. He, I don't know if he, I think he zooms out and... He, he frames the bird and it, it's perfect. And you can tell, like, if you were making this movie and that happened, you would be fucking elated. Now, from here, we, we start getting deeper and deeper into conspiracy territory. They start asking his neighbors and close friends about him. And they, they want to find his uh, childhood videos. Now, Shyamalan was supposed to have made um, movies since he was like 13. Mm hmm. And uh, everybody who works with them in the industry is like, no, no, I, I have them, but I couldn't share those unless I got clearance. But they find this nice old lady who's a neighbor, and she hands over a large box of straight-up VHS tapes. And we get this view beautiful like scene of them going through his actual childhood um, movies looking for evidence of like weirdness. And, I mean, we literally have found footage in this film. It's beautiful. Then we start talking to other people who worked with them who may uh, shine some light on this kind of like they don't have any real footing in a conspiracy. They just know something's weird about Shyamalan. So uh, we go to a celebrity's house and they talk to him about the celebrity talks to them about how he's been coached while working with the, he was supposed to be an unbreakable. They were talking to this guy before Bruce Willis and he's like, yeah, it was really weird. They're coaching me on how to answer questions now, I want you guys to uh, 
guess who this celebrity is as um he starts spinning the web of the conspiracy. Well, hold on. I yeah, I got some audio so you can hear it. Here we go. No, wait, nope. Here we go. All people have secrets. Life would be boring without secrets. Don't you think? And I remember because I had that question at the end. Don't you think? You know? You got a guess? Ooh. Hugh Jackman. He was up on his, uh, wherever the fuck he was staying, in some beautiful apartment. We, we actually go through the front door and look around his kitchen. He offers them sandwiches and beer. Has he worked with Shyamalan before? You know, I don't think so. Any other clues? Um, he works with, uh, he had a franchise with Disney. All right, let me hear it again. Right, here we go. All people have secrets. Life would be boring without secrets. Don't you think? And I remember because I had that question at the end. Don't you think? You know? Again, that was the answer he was told to give when asked certain questions about M. Night Shyamalan. Hugh Jackman's not a terrible guess. I don't think it's Hugh Jackman, but it's not a terrible guess. Had a franchise with Disney. Yeah. All right, you give up? Um, no. Animated franchise? They had an impersonator of him on Tim and Eric. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right, I'll say Alec Baldwin. It's John Depp. Okay. They had Johnny Depp on there. Yeah. Yeah. And yep, uh yep, of, yep, course, of course. So he so it's kind of it's interesting. He lays the groundwork for this conspiracy of like, yeah, it's really weird they coach their actors. Then we cut to Adrian Brody on set and they do this thing where they interview him and he gives all those answers that, you know, actors were supposedly coached on. And then we do this lame thing where the filmmaker goes back with the VCR and starts playing the tape of Johnny Depp talking about it, ejects the tape, puts in Adrian Brody's tape of him giving the answers. And it's, it's this heavy handed kind of like, remember, except it was literally the scene before. So at this point in the film, we're deep into conspiracy territory and our filmmaker has pictures all over the walls and yarn running across, but it's like, what are you drawing the lines to? And, uh, Here's where a pizza guy comes back and offers some uh, some beautiful wisdom. Well, let me get this straight, okay? I mean, you're supposed to be making a movie about M. Night Shyamalan, right? But, the, I mean, you have photographs of these masks in a, a black car, you know, the spooky trees. I, <laughs> and I don't understand. <laughs> you mean, what does that have to do with M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like two movies going on. I mean, there's the movie I'm supposed to make down here. All right, I see the stuff. And then there's there's the stuff that I'm really interested in that seems to be related. I'm not exactly sure I want to talk about it yet, but I feel this stuff is somehow related to him in a way that is not the movie they want me to make, but the movie that I want to make. I don't understand the problem. (laughs) Aren't you the director? I'm working for the network. You have the choice right now to do what you want to do or what they want to do. That is correct. A lot of people don't have that choice. I don't have that choice. Now, Pizza Man is fucking cool. And I should I should tell you, this also, movie Pizza Man is not a real pizza man. Now, clearly, right? <laughs> and uh at th- I should mention now that the runtime of this film is 2 hours and 5 minutes. I'm out. 
we're about 20 minutes in at this point. Okay, by the way, two hours and five minutes on the sci-fi network, uh, yeah. which has commercials. <laughs> exactly. And that's and that's and that's roughly twenty nineteen to twenty-one minutes per hour. I think it was more. I think the actual uh cable runtime went a little bit over three. Yeah. So this was a doozy of a doc, bro. Now, uh, Oksana, you you did some research into the the pizza guy. What did you find out about him? Oh, he's been in a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> like what? Do you not have that ready? I closed it. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Let's move to. I'll, I'm going to play a clip. I'll come back to you with the Pizza Man uh, discovery. There's one more thing I want to mention about how cool this documentary is. Mm-hmm. Now, when he starts getting down deep in this conspiracy, Shyamalan starts catching on. Hey, man, this guy's going to he's going to dig up my secret. So in a in an attempt to look like a real person, he invites him out for a, a night on the town. And I here's a little part of it. Now, excuse the background music. It's going to feel a little uh, taxi cab confession. If you remember that show on HBO, of course, But this is Shyamalan in the back of, I think, an Escalade with this fucking dude. Love it. Uh, the documentary filmmaker. Here we go. Are you a clubby kind of guy? Oh, really? I mean, you I guess like a clubby. No, I'm not kind of a clubby kind of guy. I mean, I think I'm overdressed actually for my man. Yeah, I, you look good though. You, right. you look like a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> so is that good. what this is? Yeah. Right. Uh, tell me, uh, you know, I, I get, you know, a little, a little stiffness coming from you, but maybe that's just, that's not, is that, uh, I'm not I mean in a negative way, I'm right. in a great way. It's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you can have <laughs> stiff be a great way. It's stiffness in a great way. Right. Formality. There's formality. a formality. Okay. Right, right, right. Well, you know, Are you, so what, you a wild guy? Yeah, very wild. Extremely wild. Yeah, you wait. You wait. I get to get a drink. Dude, Shyamalan, like, kind of roasts him. And I'll tell you, it's clearly at this point in the faux doc, we're not not scripted. And Shyamalan looks like he's fucking fun to hang out with. They do. They go to a pool hall and they play pool. They go to a fucking cheesesteak place and they order cheesesteaks. And it's I think it's the one that um, Conan went to with Triumph where they were in there and Triumph was kind of like roasting the people working there. And then he got behind the counter and started yeah, working right. with them. Yeah. And uh, dude, it's, it's rad. I, I mean, Shyamalan, I don't know. I don't know what I thought about him before, but watching this documentary, it seemed like he was having fun. They were setting out to do something interesting. And then it fucking got a bad rap because I don't know. The LA times was pissed that they got duped. And honestly, I think I'm, I'm flipped on Shyamalan. He seems like a fucking chill dude. And again, we're this is only I think by the time that happens, we're almost at an hour, but it flies by. I you know what? I can't talk enough about how much I enjoyed this documentary. And um did you dig up the pizza guy stuff? Yeah. So who the hell is he? Um his name is Chandler Parker. I guess he's been in a, like an extra in a bunch of TV shows. He was in Be Kind Rewind. And he had um, a voice. He played the voice of Lemmy in the Warriors video game. <laughs> yeah. So the the fool's just like, uh, you know, a regular working dude. And uh, I don't know. He, it's fucking cool. I, I, I don't know. I, I was smitten with this film. So again, uh, Thomas, I'm sorry that I, um, I redacted a little bit of your stuff, but you kind of gave away some things too early. And, and you know what? It, this is free on YouTube. The, um, quality looks awful but thankfully there is a dvd and um i i asked oksana to look it up 
when we were at the end of this thing. I'm like, I want to own it. Let's buy it right now. And uh, Oksana fell in her own conspiracy theory. Do you want to go ahead and uh, share everybody your uh, conspiracy theory on the DVD? Okay, so I looked it up on Amazon. There was like one copy left somewhere for like 40 bucks. So I checked eBay, which I already don't trust. And there was like six or seven different listings for it. They all had 11 reviews as a seller. And they all had the same star rating. Okay, so six different people were selling the movie. And the reason it, it a red flag went up for you was because they all had 11 reviews. Yes. What? That's suspicious. What? <laughs> wow. Why? Why? They all had the same star rating, too. Okay. Like, they had to have bought that shit. It's not like, okay, but they all had their own pictures of the DVD. They were all listed at different prices. Okay, how I, do you explain that, though? But that they all had the same, rev- I don't know, it's a weird coincidence. What, what what kind of angle are you working when you all have 11? I mean, are do you think they're like Russian and Chinese accounts trying to steal your data? Like, who's buying this Shyamalan movie? Okay. Yeah. So she was convinced. And I don't think we well, didn't buy one, did you? No, not yet. Okay. Are we going to have to pay $40 in Amazon? We're going to pay three times the amount because you're worried about this conspiracy. I just thought it was weird. All right. I'm, I'm cutting your mic. All right. I, again, the uh, what the fuck is this called? It's the buried secret of M. Night Shyamalan. I definitely recommend everybody check it out, especially with old out there. I don't know, dude. It's fun. Um, yeah. This concludes the TBR report. Now, Randy, how how did I do on time there? We're like I mean, we're at forty five minutes. I know. God but damn! We it. started at like twenty in, so that's not all me. Uh, we didn't start at twenty in. I was watching it because I knew I'd have this conversation. Mm. Oh, by the way, you're still wrong about the Lynch. No TBR thing. In fact, uh, why don't you come on in? Good morning. It's August 15, 2021, and it's a Sunday. Today, I was thinking about water. Nice. So amazing. (laughs) Water. Have a good day. Everyone, (laughs) yep. Have a great day. All right, David. It's good seeing you. It's good advice, though. He's right. Water is pretty good. I think he had a stroke. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what's up with the man. Have you ever heard that bullshit about people being allergic to water? Yeah. What's that about? I think it's daytime television trying to get good clickbait before the internet. Pretty sure I saw it on Maury or Ricky. Yeah, Lake. I've only seen it on daytime TV. Yeah. Not a sponsor, but I did have a water with liquid IV this morning. Oh, how is liquid IV? It's good. You got a lemon-lime flavor. I think they have like a grapefruit flavor. Did you get a nice little kick? A little bit, yeah. It feels good. You get like Was double it easy the hydration. For you to find a vein? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put it Where in the main vein, actually. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, they, had a, they had them at Safeway. They have them at Sprouts as well, actually. Oh, Oh, dang. I should have ordered my... Yeah, you, you missed oh, out. wait a minute. I think I can still add to my cart. Dude. All right. You want me to keep the show going? <laughs> Maybe. eBay update. Oh, God. Okay. We need breaking news update music. <laughs> All right. Find oh, something. wait. Uh, here we go.
the 11 ratings and the same star review is because it's the product review, not the seller. <laughs> 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 All right. That's our weekly news broadcast. <laughs> Wow, we we unraveled the conspiracy on here. We're doing good work. All right, Randy's review time. Randiggy. Do we even know what Randy's talking about? I know. Oh, you know? I don't know. Well, now you know. (laughs) Now you're about to know. Give it to me, baby. It's actually something I contemplated watching. If I had more time, Randy, I would have been here with you, and I'm bummed I'm going to miss it. Hell yeah. Well... For those of you that might want to watch it, it is on the uh, Jeff Bezos network, Amazon Prime. So you can get your packages uh, fast and you can also watch Val. A documentary (laughs) about Val Kilmer, uh, directed by... He actually edited Trash Humpers. Leo Scott. I do not know if he's related to Tony and or Ridley Scott. I didn't do that much research. But um, yeah, this is a a documentary all about... Um, Val Kilmer's life um, essentially there's like a ton of he has like a warehouse full of like stuff that you know his parents shot when he was a kid and then like early on he got a camera when he was like 14 or 15 or something and just started filming everything so there is a ton of uh, archival footage that he has shot for the last 40 years uh, or whatever um, in the beginning it kind of covers uh, his recent well i don't know how long it's been but he had throat cancer and he pretty much cannot speak now he has uh that tube um through your throat that you kind of have to like put your fingers on to like even speak and it's kind of not super easy to tell um what what you're saying um so he has his son jack kilmer um do all of the voiceover which val i believe wrote um for the movie um and yeah it's got like a it's a lot of now like, randy I, I, let me let me jump in here really yeah. quick so, you know, I actually heard an interview with him post the uh-huh. movie where he actually has like a digital assistant now. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, they recreated his voice from all the movies he's made. Hmm. So now he can talk again because technology, you know, androids crazy. are going to take over the planet. Yeah. Yeah. They like right, I just wanted it. to jump in there with that. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So it's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of like home movie stuff. There's a lot of behind the scenes footage of him um like in acting school i think there there's like a early scene with like a young sean penn um and just a lot of behind the scenes footage of um him um you know making top gun and tombstone and kind of it's very uh, it's very chronological um documentary uh, but also he got really into just like doing art and like paintings and stuff when um he got like the cancer diagnosis um so there is a lot of like kind of scrapbook imagery and a lot of like filmed stuff of just like his um, art and it's kind of like animated a little bit. Um, yeah. And then there's also just like a lot of footage of him hanging out um, with his, with his two kids. Um, so it does have like, you know, between the like home movies that like are like the archival footage and like some of the extra footage that they shot for the movie, it has like a really kind of like a sweet, like home movie, f- home movie feel. Um, and then it does go into Citizen Twain, which I believe Clark saw. Dude, it's 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 rough. Now, I, when we went, we went to the 10 p.m. showing, and he was there. Yeah, he was there. And then he was like, "All right, here's my movie." So it's not like we saw him do it. We saw him make a. We saw him present a movie. 
Then oh. he came back to do a Q&A. And it was during the, the phase where he um, said he didn't have cancer, but then I think we found out he did have throat cancer, and he was yeah. doing the weird throat thing, and he was talking like this. Oh. Huh. And, but the whole time, my uncle and I were like, is he doing a bit? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we didn't know. Yeah. Because it's Val Kilmer. Yeah, that's true. I mean, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Honestly, I, th- I felt like Marlon deserved something like that. But it was at the clay, and that was cool. But I felt yeah. like it was hot in there. R.I.P. Because it was packed. Yeah. Also, Mickey and Alberto in the same uh, screening as me. Oh, our three oh, nice. friends buddies. Yeah. Shout they, out to they them. They went to the same one. Randy, back to you. Uh, yeah, overall, it's a it's really good documentary. Um, it was very, like I said, it's very home movie uh, like it has a lot of heart to it. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, some people probably thought Val was a uh, difficult person to work with, but uh, he comes off well in this movie and thought it was very enjoyable. I've never heard that Val Kilmer was hard to work with. <laughs> what a lie. That's a lie. Yeah, I, that, I know. You need to work on your sarcasm. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? That's all you got? He was uh, talking. Besides that, I watched, that is pretty much the only movie I watched besides something on Criterion Channel this morning because I pay for the Criterion Channel every month and I never use it. I watched a movie called The Bedroom Window, directed Ooh. by Curtis Hansen, who later directed Eight Mile featuring Eminem. Yes, he did. Starring um, Eminem. You watched that. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to find his uh, actual name, but I forgot what Eminem's real name is. Marshall Mathers. Slim Shady. There we go. Uh, Say this movie uh, features a youngish Isabel Huppert um, (laughs) and a Steve Gutenberg. And it basically is a ripoff of a De Palma type of movie slash rear window. Um, It's not bad. What's up? With Gutenberg? Yeah. Oh, I'm in. Dude, this film looks rad. It's pretty good. It's like, you know, I, it's not as stylish or as like dirty as a De Palma movie, and it's not as good as a Hitchcock movie, but the themes are very similar. Um, there's a lot of the camera looking in and out of windows at people that are unawares. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so basically the, the movie starts off with Steve Gutenberg and Isabel Huppert Isabel um, Huppert. I love her. They're uh, hooking up at Steve Gutenberg's place. His name's Terry in the film. And he, um, he like walks away to like go to the bathroom and she's uh, in his bed and she hears screaming and she goes to the window and she sees someone that is being, uh, she sees a lady who's being attacked by a red haired man. Oh. Um, and she <laughs> tries to open the window and it is uh, kind of stuck, but she eventually like ends up, uh, opening the window and kind of like, you know, scattering the the dude, and she kind of like walks away, and the woman uh, is safe. But then the next day, they find out that someone a couple blocks away, uh, another female was um, murdered, and so they figure that it is the same person. Um, however, Isabel Huppert doesn't want to go to the police because she is not supposed to be at Terry's place for oh. reasons you find out later. Love it. So um, Steve Gutenberg um, essentially calls the police and he's like, hey, I saw this thing when it, essentially he didn't see it. So he's just getting information from uh, Isabel Huppert's character, Sylvia. And then, yeah, it gets uh, it gets weird from there, obviously, because he didn't actually witness it. And 
they start asking him things and he kind of has to like just make educated guesses and then he starts following um so they take him to like a lineup to try to you know eye the person yeah they got like conan o'brien in there <laughs> yeah what a- andy and- richter andy <laughs> <laughs> And since he doesn't actually know, he doesn't. He tells them that he doesn't really remember. Ron um, Howard. But then after that, he starts um, following said Dennis individuals. <laughs> and me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's got a very yeah. Like I said, it's very Hitchcocky, very De Palma. It's a. Uh, it's good. It's not bad. Um, like I said, it's not. I don't enjoy it as much as like. It feels very similar to Blow Up, um, but you know, Blow Up is like. Almost a perfect movie for me. Um, so this isn't as good, but um, oh, it's, so it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> they beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, four and a half. <laughs> Might be a five on a good day. It's fucking three and a half. Also, That's interesting um, Isabel Hubert knowledge. Do you know what her middle name is? Hula. I know. Hula. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yeah, dude. Say it. Say it all together. Oh, I get it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> a has been rich. God dang. I mean, I thought Clark was checked out I'm for this so episode. I'm so glad you picked up on that. <laughs> so yeah, if you're like me and you've got a Criterion uh, channel membership that you rarely use, I would uh, use it for lists. It's uh, quite enjoyable. Dude, I hella want to check that out. Did it ever come out in like DVD or is this like a weird laser disc release? I don't know. I, I mean, it looks like a decent budget and everything. Um, I assume it probably like came out in theaters and stuff, but yeah, I, I'd never heard of it until today. And I actually forgot the title um, <laughs> when bef- right before the show, because the title isn't that great, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not super memorable title wise. I, I see. That's why I like genre films though. I like, you know, movies pretending to be Clint Eastwood, like it's spaghetti Western or something. And then we, we do something a little bit different. And yeah. I love all that tweaking. It sounds like, dude, this sounds right up my alley. That's why I just, I want to own it. All right. You ready, Clark? Or you want me to go? You are all about skipping the correct order this week. No. And having <laughs> no knowledge. I know you're canceling flights over there. The CIA's got you on a leash. I'm just, uh, do I you need time? Take, I did have to take care of some. No, no, no. I, I, my computer's dead, so I have to <laughs> um, pull up. On the international Dude, we should database. order a pizza so the pizza guy could come in here and work on both your <laughs> Macs you got out here. I want to deliver penises in the is, neighborhood. Is that the new Mac IB42? <laughs> like, nah, it's an old one. Oh. All right. So uh, what I watched, Randy also watched because I told him that it was hella good. <laughs> and I think he agrees with me. There's no doubt. The name of the movie of which I watched is a part of a new docu-series on Netflix, Go Figure. That's all they do is docu-series now. So I was wary of this, and honestly, had it not... And now, I don't know if I'm going to continue with this series. The series is called Untold, and I'm not sure if all the uh, corresponding documentaries are going to be sports documentaries, but the first one is. And frankly, I only watched it because... The subject matter um, I was very familiar with and, and frankly, um, had kind of close ties to it um, at that time because I was, for reasons that I don't have to get into right now, I grew up an Indiana Pacers fan. So when the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons met on November 19th, 2004, 
uh, what ensued, I am I was very familiar with as I watched that game live. And what happened is now known as the Malice at the Palace. The Palace, of course, being the venue, the former venue for the Detroit Pistons. And this was a regular season game that took place between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons, who um, had basically started a rivalry because the Pistons won the year prior. Uh, and as you learn, that that was sort of the, the Pacers' year. So this year, the Pacers were full force. They were like 10-2 and two going into this game, and they were one of the favorites of the league to win, uh, to win the whole championship. And uh, Detroit is the returning champions, and so the Pistons um, thought they were prepared for the Pacers that day, but the Pacers gave them everything they got. And then, you know, we get to the fourth quarter. And the Pacers have a commanding lead. Then a little a little tiff happens uh, with with I believe it was Jermaine O'Neal and Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace is one of the great defensive centers of his time, as is Jermaine O'Neal. The story focuses primarily on the Pacers because what ensued this famous night. And like Russ, I know you're not a huge sports guy, but you remember the Malice at the Palace, right? I used to be the yeah. big. You remember this big fight that yeah. happened. Um, you know, I, I, it made national news, but the narrative that came out of this fight was that the NBA is full of thugs. Well, the Associated Press called it the most infamous brawl in NBA history. It was horrible. Yeah. And honestly, like I got, I got emotional watching this thing, um, because it's like, it's just, uh, they've shown footage that they haven't shown before and it's just, it's not good stuff. Like, you know, you see actual people fighting and, you know, NBA players fighting with actual people in the stands. Um, and it's just it's just a sad scene. And, um, you know, obviously um, the narrative that was painted was that the NBA has a has a image issue because it they're just thugs and they just wanted to. You know, that was the narrative. And then the punishment that was set forth from the NBA from David Stern was the same thing as they suspended Ron Artest for the entire year. Uh, the original suspension for Jermaine O'Neal was 25 games. And I think Stephen Jackson was 30 games. Um, Jermaine O'Neal, he put in an appeal. I'm not sure what his final was, but he got knocked down. But Stephen Jackson says, fuck it, I don't care. And uh, it, he's great in the documentary. I love Stephen Jackson. But. So what happened is that there was a little tiff that happened between Ben Wallace and look, these things happen all the time. People pushing and shoving like, you know, they're competitive athletes. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> Out there on the hardwood and uh, there's a little push and shoving and uh, got a little escalated. But Ron Artest was in the middle of this. Now, Ron Artest, you need to know. Um, I, I think I'm dead naming him here because he is now meta world peace. <laughs> oh, as we yeah. All know. Yeah. Uh, Ron Artest is a very interesting guy. Ron Artest is um, he's he's bipolar. He's got some mental health issues, but Ron Artest has has done a lot in the past few years uh, to improve his mental health. He is <laughs> he's fully aware um, of his anger issues, and he's he's doing what he can to sort of um, you know acquiesce to a more healthy, mentally healthy lifestyle. And he actually goes into why he named himself Meta World Peace. And we actually get sort of a um a viewpoint into Ron Artest that we really haven't gotten before because again the the narrative is that Ron Artest is a fucking lunatic mm -hmm. and and needs to be suspended because he's a, he's a loose cannon and he's a thug. 
But the, this documentary does a, a great job of. <laughs> I like, you cue the police right there. <laughs> um, so, baby. So, what happened is that in the middle of this fight, Ron Artest actually goes and lays down on the scores table. Now, his his commenting of this is that he just he. He had learned from his therapist that he just needs to count to five, and he just repeats counting to five, and he calmed down. He was away from the fight, but uh-huh. he laid on the scorer's table to get out of it, and there was still skirmishing going on. And then someone in the stands threw a beer at Ron Artest, landed on his chest, and then he sprung up and went directly into the stands, <laughs> decked a guy, <laughs> decked the wrong guy. Of course he did, yeah. And and then it just went bananas from there. And fans were actually went on the court, um, I I didn't pull the name. I tried to pull this guy's name, but I, this piece of shit from Detroit. God, they actually interview people that were there at the at the yeah, game, yeah. Uh, fans alike, and they they bring in one guy, and he was a, he was a Detroit Pistons se- season ticket holder, very dedicated fan, <laughs> and they show footage of him. The story he told was different than the footage we actually see. <laughs> this piece of shit went down on the floor and was going to fight Jermaine O'Neal. Oh, man. No, no, no. no, Wrong, 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 wrong. Jermaine O'Neal actually decked another guy. We'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> but he went up to Ron Artest. Yeah. Ron Artest, I think, is 6'10", 6'11", uh, about probably 275 pounds. Yeah. Ron Artest is a man. This guy okay. <laughs> is probably five foot four, about 210. How tall are you? Five foot four, two forty. Okay. <laughs> I'm bigger than this guy. You could have taken him. Oh yeah. Would you fight Ron Artest? This, this guy went out to the floor and went like this <laughs> with the intent to go hit Ron Artest. Yeah. So Ron Artest was just defending himself. Oh he was in danger, dude. Well. Yeah. Um and then yeah, there's a and then Jermaine O'Neal went to go say they show footage of Jermaine O'Neal, and it's actually he was defending himself as well, but that footage was not um the NBA ignored all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, David Stern, that scumbag, you know, put all the suspensions out. But then the the DA of Detroit oh, God. Uh, gets involved, and he said there needs to be criminal charges um, against these people yeah. in the stands because they started the fight. For sure. And they go into it, and they break down all the footage, and that piece of shit was charged. And then he talked about oh. how he just felt wronged by the Detroit Pistons because he's a he's a loyal <laughs> fan. And I'm just like, you are a piece okay. of shit. Now, you, you're drumming up a story I haven't thought about in forever. Yeah. When I was in high school, we had a uh, local wrestling organization come in. And I remember I, I went. Like, it was, you know, the gymnasium, and they set up a ring, and it's all these dudes who are trying to get in WWE and shit. And uh, it was actually, um, I believe the great Kali was there before he had killed somebody because he, he killed somebody, um, I believe, when he was with APW. But um, we were in there. Did he? And, yeah. The he, great Kali is terrible. He's terrible. He's he, the worst. Re- I've seen him live twice. Yeah, he's a giant. I he's, mean, it took him three and a half minutes to walk <laughs> to the ring. Well, he's got a great physique for being that big. He has a sunken chest. Yeah, he looks terrifying he's real life like frankenstein dude he's like seven four so i was in the crowd i was with uh two friends and um and this is high school me like uh let's say it was my junior year i had uh dyed uh my hair red i it matched a slipknot shirt i had are you kidding i renounced playing sports and i bought a guitar 
Yeah, I was going through some stuff. You didn't have long hair at this point. No, I had I had that like terrible nineties like what the hell the hell would you describe that Oxon? It was like parted down the middle, but it was like butt ear length. Cut. The butt cut. Okay, yeah, okay, turn off your mic. Oh dude. And uh, so here's the thing. <laughs> butt cut Russell. People came out and there was this kind of like uh stocky dude who's pretty built, and he was up on the turn buckle going like you know what I mean, doing generic pose. And uh, I just finished a hot dog. I don't remember if it was good or not. I took that tinfoil and I created a tinfoil snowball and I landed that thing right in right on his forehead. On Kali? No, it wasn't Kali. I don't know who this dude was. He turned over to me, looked down at a dude on the floor, pointed to me. The guy made eye contact, came right beeline to me, came over, grabbed my shoulders and he went, all right, you're coming. And then somebody came up, tapped him on the shoulder and said, not him, man, him. He pointed to my friend. The dude came over, grabbed my friend, said, you're out of here. And they ran him out the front door. And I looked at the other dude I was with, and I'm like, whoo. <laughs> looked out you there. Piece of also, shit. The dude that they took out was our ride. Like his parents drove us there. Oh, my God. I, I in one In one part, I felt... Like, wow, I got away with murder. This was amazing. But on top of that, other people knew that I had committed the murder, so I got the clout for it. On the other hand, I felt incredibly guilty. And uh, then a brawl broke out. <laughs> Piece of shit. I forgot that happened until the like mistaken, like, thankfully the dude didn't hop over the, the guardrail, which there was a guardrail, yeah. and just, you know, deck me, but... I mean, I probably had it coming. Tinfoil on his head, that could have hit his eye. Yeah, scratch. We used to play suicide wall ball a lot. Yeah. And I, I did uh, hit somebody in the eye with the tennis Y'all ball. Y'all call that suicide? We call it wall ball. Yeah, it's wall ball. But I mean, it's interchangeable. Suicide is when you go to a fountain machine and you get all the soda. <laughs> <laughs> That's a suicide. Yeah, but I, I hit a dude in the eye with a tennis ball and uh, he's still wearing glasses to this day. Really? Although, you know, on the, you know, on the battleground... You know, all you get is like a high five and a pat on the back for yeah, that one. That's yeah. true. Still felt incredibly guilty for years on that, too. All right. Well, another segment of <laughs> Russell's scumbag history. <laughs> I, dude, this is how you learn, man. I swear, when you're a teenager, it's all the failures. You you hope for a lot of failures then. And yeah. then you come into adult life and you're like, well, I know better now. That is the area. You have to fuck up when you're a teenager. Oh, and man. that's the rough part of being a parent. Yeah. You got to let that happen. You see, really now, do. Yeah. Otherwise, you start smoking when you're 34 years old. <laughs> yeah, you get a whole tech industry that's like learning the hard way when they're 30 and have a little bit of clout. It's true. It's fucked. I got right, two more years. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the documentary. Uh, so they, they, they filed criminal charges. And actually, um, how they identified uh, the, the DA said, look, from my standpoint, the guy who threw the beer, he started this. So... He he saw criminal charges after that guy, and when they looked at the footage, the DA himself identified that guy because he knew him. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's nuts. Because apparently that guy dated a, his next door neighbor. Uh Okay. Now, yeah. did he did he revitalize the whole case because he he knew that might have been it? No, it was just it was uh, coincidental. They they didn't know it first. Look, whenever the police are doing good work like that, you know there's got to be a through line, some personal oh, fuck beef. That guy, <laughs> fuck that guy, because that what that guy was doing is that before the criminal charges were done, he was going on talk shows talking about how proud he was of starting. Oh, it. okay. Yeah, but and and how proud he was that uh, 
because he was asked in an interview, um, what do you think about Ron Artest punching the right, the wrong guy? He's like, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> What a it's dick. Like, Fuck this guy. Yeah. So um, if he would have shut up and not dated that neighbor, do you think uh, he could have got away with he it? Probably, he still would have probably gotten identified, but oh, okay. the DA actually knew who he was. Um, so they, it narrowed the search pretty quickly. But um, yeah, it, it the, honestly, the story is centered around the Pacers and because it really was supposed to be their year. And obviously with the suspensions, it, it sort of, um, you know, put a damper in everything and, and you know, took three of their best players out for a good chunk of the season and one for the whole season. And, you know, Reggie Miller was older at that point. That was his last season. Actually, he retired in, in 2005. So that was his final season. They were just trying to get the team together to, you know, to get Reggie a championship and it didn't happen. And I, that still hurts me as a lifelong Reggie Miller fan, no longer a Pacers fan, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get back into the Pacers. Cause uh, I don't know. I, I honestly like, I'm so glad that they chose this particular story because, you know, we all remember this thing happening and the narrative that was painted at that time in 2004. Now, 17 years later, we actually got some, um, you know, some camera footage that has never been released before. That, that and, is cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, we get the right story out there. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I got a little emotional at this and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this story is being told. And I thought this was excellent. Uh, Randy, did you enjoy this as a not basketball fan? I did, yeah. And also, I did play basketball for about two years in like sixth and seventh grade. Hell yeah. But did you I, run point? No. I don't really know what I did, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, now I, I, believe you. <laughs> I had fully checked out of sports by the time this happened. So I don't 100% remember it. I just, I do kind of remember the media narrative yeah. uh, from afterwards. So. Having not really known too much about it or not having not ever seen the footage, it was uh, it was quite enjoyable. Um, yeah, it was quite a, a crazy thing that happened. Um, but yeah, it was also, it's only like an hour and nine minutes long. Yeah. Um, the storytelling is very concise and efficient. Uh, I think if it were like a 90 minute documentary or like a multiple episode thing, I probably wouldn't have checked it out, but I'm glad I, I'm glad I did. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. One of one of the best things I've seen this year, frankly. Uh, Russ, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah, I just don't think I'll watch it. I'll watch it with you. Oh. Who's the guy with the red, white, and blue afro? What? What? You're talking about like Dennis Rodman? No. There's some, some guy they interview. Oh. Like a big fake I think he's on. just a fan as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's the Pistons colors. Although, although if you ask me, their colors are yellow. Okay, yellow bastards. All right, those colors do run. Oh, Freedom <laughs> isn't free. All right, Russell, take us home. All right, I'll be quick. No, you um, this oh shit! On Thursday, we went to the theater and we watched "Don't Breathe" too. Don't breathe. <laughs> Now, uh, Fede Alvarez is not directing uh, this one. I, I actually don't know if he participated in it at all. He gets a writer credit because it's based on characters he wrote. But the guy that he uh, co-wrote the Evil Dead remake with and the original Don't Breathe has stepped in. Uh, Roto Sayagas, I think. It. I mean, we'll find out. I He might be from Uruguay, too. Um we have an interview coming up next episode where uh, our guest might actually give me some shit for mispronouncing that name. But um, Don't Breathe 2, 
Oh, man. So coming into this film, the only thing I had heard about was this weird kind of like virtue signaling the Internet was doing where they're like, I don't watch movies that celebrate rapers. (laughs) And it's like, okay, what the fuck are we doing? And people were like, no, he was the bad guy in one. We don't want to watch part two. And I just kept thinking, like, do people do people like do this to Terminator 2 now? Like, oh, this guy was toxic masculine. Oh, Stephen so- Lang? Wait, what? His character? Yeah, because in part two, we have uh, the blind guy. I don't know his name. Stephen Lang. Yeah, he he's our protagonist in this film. He's the pro. He's the protagonist. Yeah. So uh, we, we open up and he's living with the little girl and they don't really say how we got there. And uh, does he still have bottles of jism everywhere? Well, he's kind of like he's kind of like uh, doing the strict dad thing like homeschool and he's really like kind of raising her in a uh, prepper fashion. So she, you know, in the beginning she's begging to go to the store with their friend who like delivers their groceries. And what I thought was really interesting is the trope of like the, no, I need to protect you because I've lived through trauma thing is so old that I was kind of like rolling my eyes. But then the, the lady who shows up is like, Hey, you can tighten the leash on her, but eventually she's just going to chew through it. And you know what he does? He's like, okay, you can go. And there's this weird theme of like, he's this, he's that trope of the strict dad, except that he listens to people. So this comes up a few times and he actually like adapts and it's like, oh, okay. That, that actually makes him kind of like a likable human. I don't know. And so in the film, I, I did skip over one scene. They open on a building on fire. And it is fucking CGI fire town. Oh, no. And we do the camera thing where we're up in the air and a little girl runs out and collapses in the street. What? I skipped over that. Um, so the little girl goes with this other girl who turns out to be a, a like an army ranger. And uh, they go out and hang out. And the little girl's like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And she goes to the bathroom. There's a creepy dude in the bathroom. And he's like, what's up, little girl? And it's like, oh, here's another trope. You know what I mean? Like this lame white dude hanging out in the women's bathroom. And uh, she's like, my dad's out there. And he's like, I don't hear anybody out there. But the little girl is now friends with not only the blind man who was the villain in part one, but his dog, Shadow, the Rottweiler. So the Rottweiler shows up and starts growling. He's like, okay. (laughs) So she walks by. He does this very creepy, like, touches her hair. As she goes by and he's like, see you later. And, uh, you know, it's going to turn into a home invasion film. And I'll tell you, at every turn in this movie, they they offer up a trope or like a storytelling device that we've seen a million times. And you're kind of like, OK, we're going to do that. Except every time they offer it up, the conclusion to it is always like incredibly thoughtful. Yeah. Like I, the relation with the dude and the girl where the film goes in the third act, the storytelling is it's easy to get into and rewarding at the end. Um, the locations look great. Uh, don't breathe. One was kind of a masterclass of like audio and they were doing what kind of quiet place perfected of the, like you thought this theater was quiet. Well, now we're going to drop out the music. This film, we don't fuck with that at all. There's a little bit of cat and mouse, cat and mouse stuff, but it mostly turns into a to an action film, and we get a lot of cool choreography where uh, our blind now hero, or he he's like, what do you call that? He's like a anti hero. He 
he does cool choreography and it's not like he turns into like Spider-Man or like Black Widow or something. It's just he's a badass that was defeated by some thieves in part one, but it's now unstoppable. No, he's completely uh, mortal. And uh, a lot of the fighting is him on the losing end. Yet we navigate through a bunch of people. I'll say if you can get over the dumb virtue signaling stance of like, I don't support a raper. It's like, you know, if you watch Friday the 13th, you're kind of supporting Jason in this role. Yeah. Who has murdered a bunch of women. Yeah. And like, I, it, that's such a do not waste your mental energy on that. Also, I think what we can use a lot of now is redemption stories. Like, are people defined by one action forever? Have you ever done one bad thing right. in your life? And should we all hold you accountable for it? Like, given this dude has a, like, incredibly disturbing scene with a turkey baster in the he first movie. Cut Scott Peterson a break. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like uh, free Jelaine Maxwell. and uh, Just Lane's a nice dude. British lady. <laughs> Everyone needs a redemption story. Jeffrey. And I'll tell you, dude, it's fucking, I, it was fun. This is a movie I'd go watch it again. It, it is the little hacky tropey. Uh, the little girl um, who acts in this film, is she's pretty good. I mean, anytime you have a little kid in there, you're kind of like, uh, that was, you know, the acting could have been better, but we were splitting hairs at that point. I had a lot of fun here. And um, who do who we go see this with? We went with Terrell, right? Terrell had a blast. Uh, what, what about you, Oksana? You got anything you want to add to it? Um, no, just that I, it was a lot of fun. I don't know. I'd also see it again. <laughs> yeah, nothing. And, I, you know, the gore is still there, too. There are a couple of moments in this movie where uh, your skin might crawl, but it really doesn't dominate it. And um, the locations, I don't know. This was just a well-executed film. They did have like callbacks to this, the, you know, where he had that girl captive in the first one, but now it's just like empty or there's just a cabinet there or whatever. They linger on it for a moment. So it's like, you can have that like, oh, that's where that happened moment. Yeah. But um, it's not like in your face or anything. Well, they also, like our character isn't, he doesn't forget what he did and uh, guilt is a burden here. And I think there, you know, part of the story is like, well, you can live in the past and just, you know, rot as like a human, or you can, you know, um, correct yourself and, and do good because, you know, unless you're going to kill yourself, what else are you going to do? I don't know. You know, it's not as like poignant and life changing as it, I may be making it sound, but dude, it, it was a lot of fun. Two things. Now this, that, did this not take place in Detroit? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. See, scumbags. We well, we still have like the rotting neighborhood well, because that that was the big part of the first movie. Well, it's also Detroit. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I think Detroit's. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've been coming out of that because they had that big hipster wave, like with the uh, yeah, and then the, um, and then and then you know once the the cupcake factories go away, then. <laughs> Once Voodoo Donuts, yeah, closes yeah. Down. Once, yeah, once the donuts and the fixie bikes roll away. No, what what is that? The only vampire movie that Randy likes, Only Lovers Left Alive. Yeah, like after that wave, I think. Oh, so that's not true, Randy. Name another vampire movie you like. Uh, that's the only one. Oh. <laughs> His the neighborhood that this takes place in is like particularly like abandoned and forgotten about. Just feels like it's you know miles away from anything else which is honestly a really cool setting it's kind of like it's the one house a blind dude's living in in the center of like a haunted suburban or like ex-suburban neighborhood i don't know it's it's really cool also 
Stephen Lang is ripped in this, right? He looks great. He looks like he should be an action hero. He is. Well, I mean, like in the in the context of the film, you know, his biggest movie. What is it? Avatar. Oh, really? Wow. Dude, I didn't... He was ripped at Avatar, dude. I had no idea. Yeah, he was. a guy. I told you I got that weird like actor blindness. No pun intended. I like Stephen Lang. You weren't going to say Tombstone, which he was. In, He's also apparently. a Tombstone. Oh, shit. Okay. He's big part in Tombstone. I don't know. You know, I honestly, it might be because I'm a horror fan here as I try to explain not knowing actors. I I kind of like it going in blind again. Pardon the pun. But uh, I don't know. It kind of like opens up the film for me. Like, don't you hate it whenever it's like um, Tobin Bell shows up as like the repairman and you're like, oh, okay. Now I know who killed your neighbor. It's, I, I don't know. It, you know, if I'm blind to it, it's like, oh, that guy's kind of creepy or not. I feel like they should put Tobin Bell as like um, he owns a game store. Record store. And yeah, also. That. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to and Seinfeld. Then just, and then he just asks if they want to play a game. You know what? Um, I think Tobin Bell right now is at Sinister Creature Con, huh? He was supposed so. to be there that year. Is he vaxxed? I'm sure he is. Is he masked? He takes his health very seriously, if you've seen the films. Dude, Tobin Bell has to be 119 years old. No. <laughs> He's very old. No. I Guess how to- old he is. All right. Tobin Bell is 79 years old. I'm going to say mm, 62. You are. Randy, you got a so bet? So wrong. Randy's 77. Probably- He's probably looking it up. Randy undercut me. Yeah, but how the fuck did you nail it exactly? He's seventy-nine. Oh, that's a bullshit. Is this updated? His birthday was on the seventh. So he just turned seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. That's some bullshit. Incorrect. You looked it up. Nope. No, I did <laughs> no, not. No, no, no. Oh, no, I. I, I <laughs> how could I have engineered that? Guess All how right. tall he is now. <laughs> I okay. think he's pretty tall. He seems. All right. I'm gonna say six-one. I'm gonna say five-eleven. Randy. Five-four. <laughs> Dude, if he's as tall as Clark. All right, now you guys are tied because Russell nailed it. Yeah. Oh. All right, tiebreaker. You, you got his weight on there too. <laughs> mm, a, come on. I'm about where he's born. Oh, oh God. I have That's no idea. Far. Uruguay. Germany. <laughs> Cleveland. Queens. Oh. I was closest. No, yeah. that, it doesn't work that way. We all lose. We're on even playing field. All right, yeah, but I'm done. Don't Breathe 2 was fun. Uh, watch it in the theater. I, You know, I could just see a movie like that being kind of meh on a TV, especially, you know, if you're making mac and cheese in the next I watched, uh I watched Suicide on the TV, and it was fun. Squad? I the... Suicide Squad. Yeah. I'm, God, Suicide Squad compared to this. What, do you, what kind of budget gap do you think there is? <sighs> they threw some money on I Suicide know. Squad. And 60 like, million gap. Do, oh, God. I'm dude. guessing. I bet it's more than that. Dude, no way. What, what the hell was Don't Breathe 2 made for? I'm like, that's got to be like 1.5 mil or something. No, dude. Probably 10 mil. I don't I don't know how to look this up. IMDb changed their, their layout. 15 mil. Oh, 15. Okay. Now look up Suicide Squad. 26.2 million. Damn, I am off on Wait, everything. Wait, Don't Breathe cost two, 26 mil? No. no. Suicide Squad. What? Yeah, that seems way low. No, there, there, oh, no, that's how much it made. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Okay. Wait, no, so how much did and it cost? And there it is. 185 mil. 
95. Okay, but no, how- 185 million according yeah. to Wikipedia. Oh. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. So yeah. Now, I think I think marketing may have a big chunk of that, but still. Yeah, it was that, that's an important part though. I know it was north 150. God damn. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, go watch Don't Breathe Through. It was good. Lord knows what they paid Sly Stallone to play the voice of that shark. Actually, now's the <laughs> best time to go watch Don't Breathe Through because you can wear your mask into the theater and nobody will know that you support rapers. And <laughs> because you can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Suffocate and don't breathe too. All right. We did it. Um, I didn't think we were going to do it. I didn't think I was going to make it through this day, but my my great patience and cigarettes and my and the love of my friends have helped me. And also, I don't have to go to Phoenix this week, so that's also very helpful. But I have to be on Zoom for eight hours a day, so <laughs> not looking forward to that. But we do what we got to do. So we thank you all for joining us this week. And next week, we'll see. I don't know. We may quit. We may not. Randy, close us out. Yeah, tune in next week for my review of Free Guy. <laughs> oh, no. That's not happening. Oh, <laughs> fuck that. Now it has to.